Well, uh, hello everybody. Welcome to uh, Thumbs Up for Town. You decide. Uh, that was uh, I'm Eric Tappel, and uh, I'm mostly. We started off with a very firm hello just as I started recording. So good timing on your part. <laughs> All right. Um, <clears throat> it's currently 2021, uh, February. Our current topic of the today is going to be celebrating its 25th anniversary. It came out in July of 1996. Uh, yeah. So I guess this is pretty good timing. Um, and today's film is The Frighteners, directed by Peter Jackson and... Uh, let me just double check if it's... Is it Zemanski uh, or something like that? Who, is it, was that the producer? Uh, I think uh, Robert Zemanski is uh, the executive producer, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah. uh, yes, as well. Uh, but I was also going to say it was uh, co-written by Fran Walsh, uh, who is uh, not only the co-writer, but also uh, Peter Jackson's uh, spouse. Yeah, they, they've definitely been working as long as, like, uh, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page right now. Um, it says, like, I think their late uh, earliest was, like, Meet the Feebles. I could be wrong on that. But anyways, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, The Frighteners. You had mentioned that this was done by Robert Zemeckis, so uh, I'll let you uh, kind of take off your introduction uh, from here. Oh, God, I don't even know when the first time it was that we actually saw The Frighteners. Uh I remember it was when I was a kid, uh, like four or five years old. I I I was young, um, and to be honest with you, it's been so freaking long that I actually have seen the movie the last time that seeing it today was almost like seeing it for the first time in my life because there's a lot about the movie that I mean I remember certain things, but like I don't remember. There's a lot about the movie that I completely forgot. The heater just turned on for those who were wondering what that sound was. Um. Um, but I mean, the last time I saw this movie was probably definitely over 10 years ago. Actually, potentially even over 15 years ago, if I'm not mistaken. Because hmm. um, the last time I watched this movie, I was a literal teenager, and now I'm almost 30. Hmm. So, yeah, it's it's been a while. I'm kind of in the same boat uh, with you, because... Uh... I remember hearing about this film, like, you know, being one of those people just, like, looking up different directors' filmography and so forth. Uh, this is a film that was actually the second production that Peter Jackson did under his company Weta, uh, or Weta. He's, he's had the special effects team work on a lot of his other films uh, later on, like King Kong and so forth. Uh, this was uh, said to have been in development since uh, Peter Jackson's previous film, Heavenly Creatures, uh, that caught the attention of pretty much almost everybody involved with it, uh, including the star and the d almost director. Because uh, you had said Robert Zemeckis was attached to this. Uh, he was almost the original director, actually. Uh, afterwards, uh, he decided to let it be taken over by Peter Jackson, and he even got a Final Cut privileges as well, so that was pretty cool. It was from seeing Heavenly Creatures that Michael J. Fox also got interested in working on the film as well, because... Originally, Jackson was more interested in doing uh, a film of unknowns uh, at the time, but Zemeckis convinced him, it's like, hey, why not have one leading star like Michael J. Fox? With you saying that he wanted to do a lot of films with a lot of unknowns, now the people that he actually has worked in the past are very well known, like Kate Winslet. Oh, yeah. In fact, uh, Heavenly Creatures was actually, I think it, it was said to be Kate Winslet's first movie. Mm -hmm. I just didn't know she also, that, that Melanie Linsky was also in that movie as well. Uh, for those that don't know who Melanie, Melanie Linsky is, if you've ever seen the movie um, 
ever after she played the stepsister that had the uh, brunette hair. Um, the one that actually was nice to uh, Drew Barrymore's character in that movie. Um, but yeah, she, uh, I just like said, I found it ironic that he wanted to work with, with, with lesser known since both of those actresses are pretty well known now, especially Kate Winslet. She's yeah, obviously weird. very famous. And that's not to say that uh, this ca- uh, the cast in this film doesn't have a few n- uh, few known names as well. Uh, John Aston, like I pointed out, is in the cast. Uh, famous character actor, uh, obviously famous for Gomez Adams back in the original Adams Family TV show. Arlie Ermey has an appearance as a ghost drill sergeant. And uh, yeah, Jake Busey, uh, the son of Gary Busey. Uh, another big name I wanted to bring up was uh, Jeffrey Combs, uh, famous for being the reanimator. Which, uh, that was, a, that was uh, so far the only name that I read up that uh, Peter Jackson specifically sought out for, saying it's like, I want to work with the reanimator. But anyways, I'm going too much talking about the backstory about the film. Like, let's talk about the film itself. This kind of just reaffirmed that I really love pre-Lord of the Rings Peter Jackson the best. I don't know. I, I just love it when he's able to, like, dabble into his horror elements sometimes. Especially with the effects, because, like, even with... Uh, early attempts at CGI that I could tell the CGI. It still looks pretty good for the film itself. A lot of these actors are... What? What you guys are talking about? Yeah, I'm sorry. Because, like, you you both seem to know who Gary Busey is. I knew the face. I didn't know the name. Mm. At least a lot of people do. But I didn't know he was in the movie Starship Troopers, which is a movie that I saw when I was a kid. Jake or Gary? Jake. Okay. Um, he was. Uh, I've seen that movie. I've probably seen this movie Starship Troopers after Frighteners, or at least sooner than I have the Frighteners, and I completely forgot the. Admittedly, uh, Jake Busey didn't actually. Um, this I don't remember. Played a villain in Starship Troopers. That was actually one of the roles where he was actually a decent guy. Mm. But the other other roles that he's been in, he definitely has been more of the villain than he has any. Um, uh, protagonist. Yeah, he definitely has that uh, villainous uh, insanity to him, uh, at least in terms of appearance. Asshole. Well, some people are best at that. Uh, he apparently also, I remember him also being in Stranger Things. He was also a oh, was yeah. also an asshole in Stranger Things. Uh, was he the mayor in season three? Possibly. I know he was one Stranger of Stranger Things? Remember that guy that uh, uh, Hopper was wanting to really smash the fingers in with that one scene where he's like, I'm going to make you talk to me, and I think he possibly was the mayor, and he... Oh, wait. No, 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 wait, I was wrong. It wasn't the, the mayor's office. It was the, the guy in the newspaper office. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, 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 because it wasn't the, the guy in the, who played the mayor. Um, it was one of the... Uh, one of the... Uh, the guy who played Girls Princess, newspaper. Uh, Princess uh, Bride. Okay. Yeah, he played in Stranger Things, but I believe the person we're talking about here is Carrie. Carrie, what was what's his name? The guy who played in uh, Princess Bride. Carrie. Uh, Elways. El Elways. Yeah. He was the one that played mayor in Stranger Things. We're, oh yeah, that's right. I forgot. We, yeah. we're getting it mixed up now. He, uh, Carrie uh, Elways was was the mayor, and uh, Gary uh, Jacob Busey was. Um, Sorry, Carrie. <laughs> Jay Busey was the, uh, the, um... Newspaper employee. He wasn't a villain, but he was an asshole, yeah. Yeah. In, in, in Stranger Things. That guy's really good at playing an asshole. Some people, it's, it's an easy archetype to play. Um, anyways, uh, going back to the Frighteners, uh... <laughs> 
because even though this film does use special effects, like a lot of the makeup that you do see used and the practical effects utilized are still really damn good. That was actually one of the reasons why I asked you during one of the scenes when this movie was made because the special effects are like ridiculous. And I'm like, yeah, there's definitely a lot of like, uh, you can tell like some of it's just like stretching the image, and you can tell is the image is being stretched from like, like post editing. They were utilizing like Photoshop and After Effects on I, this move on this movie, and like I said, they made it look ridiculously effortless. And I'm like, this is actually not. You want to know this movie is kind of kind of like um quite. Is there ever seen the movie Ghost? Yes. With the movie Ghost, the director was talking about how he was kind of letting the the, spe- uh, the the special effects artists like he was trying to explain to him what he wanted the ghost to like kind of look like when they actually did go through things and stuff like that. And he was basically he took I guess he said he took uh, a napkin, dipped it in coffee, and that the saturation that you got with how it like kind of melted into the coffee said that's basically what he wanted the ghost to do whenever they they had um, gone through walls or something like that. And I'm just like okay. And they were using a lot of really, really high advanced special effects with this, and I'm like, this movie's kind of along that line of like when it was actually made, it that was clearly, it, was, it wasn't bad as as far as the special effects were concerned with 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 the advancement and stuff like that, what they were trying to do and accomplish. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's rather impressive actually with with how advanced it, it seemed special effects were with the time that this movie was made. Because, like, not many films handle ghost effects that well. And I thought this was... I thought this definitely handled it well. Especially when... Uh, uh, not to get into spoilers of what happened, but there's a moment where Michael J. Fox has a bit of an out-of-body experience, and you can tell he's not used to handling these these ghostly abilities. Um, it's not something that's done throughout the whole film, but it's, like, it's a nice little detail to notice that, you know, when you're first going through this, it's something you're not quite used to. Although the one thing I... Emphasizing ghosts easily hurting people, or like the, the public being able to like, or like people who can see them interacting with these ghosts, and I'm like, in most films, you're seeing ghosts having to try actually inserting effort in order to do it. It's not mm-hmm. that easy. easy. This it was almost like they were easily interacting with the public, mm-hmm. and I'm like, a lot of in a lot of other ghost movies it's it's very clear they're trying to make it look like these people are these ghosts are trying to include like with ghost how he was trying to knock off a can and even i think another ghost who's helping him said you can't you're you're you're, you have to literally use your entire force with it he said you're not doing you're not doing it well enough and Mm -hmm. basically said you have to and said it just it seemed too easy with the way that they were interacting almost to the point where it's un- un- unrealistic it is something that does get a little bit inconsistent depending on like what ghosts can or cannot interact with because uh someone will obviously be walking right through a ghost obviously but then it's like later on you'll see uh one of them hold a person down at one point to kind of like restraining them and not do that much effort too so um it could be depending on like how powerful said ghosts are or like that one scene where the guy, the guy who her husband was just murdered, and you can see him very easily go into his ca- his, his casket, 
but then suddenly he needs help with getting out of dirt. I'm like, dude, you're a ghost. Just get out of it. Like, you don't need help from, from a, a human. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't. I am like, like I said, it's just there were certain points that were like really unrealistic and like, like you said, inconsistent. I'm like, some ghosts can walk easily through through uh, doors, yet some can't. Some are stuck, and I'm like... Some have, uh, some have trouble uh, touching certain items, and then it's like, yeah. you know, one person can, like, nudge a glass off by accident. And just, it, like I said, there's a lot of things in this movie that, that after all, doesn't make sense with, with these rules as to what ghosts can do and can't do. And I'm like, mm-hmm. seriously? And yet we watch the film. Yeah, I think... Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah and, and while I do... Uh, while I do praise the fact that uh, Peter Jackson and Robert Zemeckis were given, uh, you know, freedom and privilege of like over like the final end result of the film, uh, uh, because apparently that even pressed the the producers. But we'll get to that uh, soon enough. Um, I would have liked a little bit more uh, time to like uh, kind of establish like the rules of like uh, Michael J. Fox's character, uh, Frank, uh, how he and these uh, ghosts are able to like interact with this kind of world. Because they do set off a lot of time to, like, kind of get used to them in terms of, like, personality-wise. Because uh, you have, like, Cyrus, the uh, the gangster ghost from the 70s. And then you got uh, Stuart, the nerdy ghost. John Aston as uh, this uh, old-timey decaying ghost. Mm-hmm. At one point, you, he, do, you do men- he does mention how he's been running out of ectoplasm. So it's like, they do clearly establish that some ghosts can sustain some contact with the physical world and others are obviously falling apart i I think i would have liked yeah it was a little rush and i i don't know personally i would have liked a little bit more time with them plus you do you actually do get to like these ghosts too Mm -hmm. like chi mcbride and jim fry as the 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 gangster ghost and the nerd ghost it's like they're really funny when you watch them Mm -hmm. And even John Aston, like, uh, he has some really good moments, too, especially in the museum scene. That, I'm sorry, that museum scene was also really inappropriate in a lot of ways. I did not realize... Oh, right, jokes. yeah. I'm like, seriously? <laughs> and mind you, a lot of those jokes when I was a kid probably went over my head because a lot, I'm like, I never heard that line until I was like, really? Wow. And I'm pretty sure, like, I probably asked my mom, what does that mean? And she probably, like, brushed off saying, just whatever yeah she didn't want me to know about the sexual jokes when i was a kid obviously so i'm like wow okay and funny enough peter jackson was actually filming this trying to get it to be uh as a tame pg-13 movie but they still ended up giving it an r rating (laughs) and i want to bet you it was because of the one joke they did with him and the sarcophagus you know what i'm talking about yeah and I well, personally, I feel like the. Technically, there's two different moments in that particular oh, scene. Oh, oh yeah, because I was gonna mention the first bit was like you know him sticking out his ass. It's like, okay, now we know it's coming up, and then the other is. Do you want to say the line or should I? I mean, unless you don't want to bring it up. I just love it when they lie still like that. Nineteen ninety six, everybody. Oh Lord, and I'm just like, if, if you don't know what we're talking about, ladies and gentlemen, be forewarned if you would show this movie to your kids. Yeah. There's a particular scene in a museum that's quite inappropriate. You, you know that trend on TikTok where people ask, it's like, oh, what movie would obviously not be made today? I think this is one of them, or at least for that particular line. You probably 
just cut that particular moment. I mean, you can even have something in a museum, but like, <laughs> okay, that line I'll admit was kind of that. That that'll, I would keep that line. That's funny. Okay, but like him. How do I put this without the tomb. violating the? Um, it's necrophilia. Yeah. If, if it's you, still not consensual. Yeah, that's a good I mean, point. I mean, thinking how back he was, it's like, although considering it was a mummy, he might have had more. Ad- I I'm not gonna go into that. <laughs> I'm not. I'm gonna stop there. I'm sorry. It's, dude, like, okay, if you at least cut, not all of it was inappropriate. Just that, those two things right there. I'm sorry, even the ghosts, like, swearing, and because trust me, the ghosts in this movie do use profanity, people. Yeah, but that, that's common. that was as bad as that particular... I was actually taken aback when I heard when I saw and heard that line. I was like, seriously? Me too, and considering I've been able to stomach a lot of, let's say, questionable content, it's like, even I could say it's like, that line, uh, I don't know. It's just, so yeah, I'm like, um, if you could just kind of either take out that line and that particular moment within the scene, it'll be okay to, to probably remake. Who would remake it? I don't really know within all lots of probably, this is probably the only film from Michael J. Fox that I would recommend people remaking because i'm sorry do not touch back to the future people that movie oh yeah like (laughs) here's the thing the writer bob gale broken don't fix it okay oh yeah the writer bob gale has actually admitted that he actually wrote in his will do not remake back to the future exactly like you you don't need just don't touch the film people in all honesty uh i could I could probably see a remake like this being done by, I want to say James Gunn, maybe, if he went back to his, like, indie root days. Because I've seen the movie Slither, and I thought that was a really good horror comedy, or uh, at least a good horror film, because the effects were really good in that. Um, So this movie wouldn't be a bad film to remake, although... I'm also half tempted to also say that werewolf movie that Michael J. Fox was in, because... Oh, yeah, Teen Wolf? I don't know. Well, they already remade Teen Wolf as, like, a teen drama on MTV, so... Kind of... I forgot about that. Yeah. I never showed any interest in that. Neither did I. But then again, I also didn't show any interest in Teen Wolf either, so I don't know. Mm -hmm. In my eyes, that wasn't one of Michael J. Fox's best, in my opinion. I, I... I don't know. In my eyes, his, some of his best work will always be Back to the Future. Back yeah. to the Future. This Which is film. ironic because uh, he did. He actually filmed a Teen Wolf uh, before Back to the Future. But the thing was, yeah, they put Teen Wolf on the shelf until after Back to the Future was released. Yeah, well, that would also make sense. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, this uh, Frighteners, like I said, probably wouldn't be a bad film to remake. And yeah. They still enjoy the original. Although you would definitely need someone who is as skilled as Rick Baker or uh, 
uh, Brian Panikas. Those are the two makeup artists that uh, also worked on this film. And Rick Baker alone is, like, a legend himself. I mean, any, like, film from, like, the 80s or 90s that you can think of, it's, like, he most likely did the makeup effects for. And and here, uh, even though he wasn't able to do everything about... uh, Every bit of the makeup, it's, like, with what you were able to see, and it's still impressive. And I thought Brian Panikas did a great job of, of at least matching up to it, so... There's definitely that aspect of uh, that they have to live up to because I think having prosthetic makeup uh, helps add on to the performance. Probably, and I, I do agree with you on that, however... That and it also adds a more uh, captivating image, I should say. I also do think that even given the, the technology now, uh, I actually think that this movie would be even better with... with the CGI and the, the, the after effects and stuff like that. Cause, I mean, that would be the only reason why I would actually even mention to remake this because given how old this movie is, with as advanced as, as CGI and all that stuff has gotten nowadays, it probably wouldn't be a bad film to try and remake and, and, and make it that much better. I do have to wonder about how they would handle the Grim Reaper effects because... I don't know. It's like with the dated CGI, kind of like you never really can tell the kind of size uh, of how big the Grim Reaper is. It's like I kind of like uh, that little detail about it. So it's like it's one of those things where it's like the dated technology kind of works to its advantage in a way. I think that with with how advanced it's gotten, I don't think it would be that big of a deal to figure out. Hmm. Um, I think for, for me at this point, it probably would be a matter of having good actors in, in, a, in a remake for this kind of film rather than CGI mm-hmm. like I said as long as they don't go overboard with it mm-hmm. it's obviously we both know that sometimes these can definitely go overboard with CGI and completely ruin it as long as they don't go overboard and, and they stick to having the acting play out the story rather than the CGI it sh- it, <laughs> I can see it going far yeah we don't need another situation like the witches Dear God. Ironically, Robert Zemeckis. So, yeah, there's that. That. <laughs> that, that, that. That went overboard. If you're going to remake this film, like, come on. Like, Although, don't. do I have to think about, like, do you think this would work better as a remake of a movie or as a TV series? I mean, I think, I, I think a TV series could work with this. Yeah, because looking at the ending and thinking about the premise itself of, like, uh, you know, uh, someone starting off as a bit of a con man with the paranormal, but then later on having to actually kind of step up and fix his trauma that it was also relating to his past. It's like, this is one of those cult films that I feel like if it actually did get a sequel, I, I honestly would be really okay with that. But, you know, considering, you know, Michael J. Fox, like... Uh, ending up getting Parkinson's after uh, having his Parkinson's end up getting worse after this film it's like it's a little bit kind of hard to tell like how far he would have taken it if they did do it at the time also what was kind of interesting to find out was that this film had two different cinematographers the first one was uh, Alan Bollinger uh, and apparently I found out that he had to step down because he got into a car accident so they had to have uh, John Blick kind of step in from the way uh, it was filmed, could you tell there were, like, two different shot styles, or did it kind of seem like it blended together seamlessly? 
Because I could definitely tell in, like, the second half there were a lot more, like, uh, handheld shots. shakiness with the camera and things of that nature, it, it definitely, and then like near the end with, it, it, it seemed like the, we got better angles and, and, and more stable camera footage and, and things mm -hmm. of that nature, so, I mean. I definitely sensed a lot more dynamic mm -hmm. shots, uh, especially in the hospital scenes. Yeah, so I mean. I think for a lot of, in a lot of ways it worked, it ended up working itself out. Mm -hmm. But I mean, that also could be because of really good editing. From a filmmaker's perspective, it is noticeable. If you're actually a, a, a film uh, maker, you can definitely notice it for, for people who aren't film obsessed <laughs> <laughs> or even film majors that is. It, may not be that as noticeable or even a thought, but it, it is kind of noticeable when, when you've come from uh, a, a film degree background. Uh, the one thing I also wanted to go over was that uh, this was apparently one of uh, two films that were apparently supposed to be part of the Tales from the Crypt trilogy that were supposed to go with two other films, uh, Demon Knight and Bordella of Blood, which... Uh, Ironically, Bordella Blood ended up coming out uh, after The Frighteners came out. Uh, the other film that was going to be considered for a third Tales from the Crypt movie was uh, From Dusk Till Dawn. Um, All of these films kind of sound like potential films of Guillermo Del Toro. <laughs> well, now that I think about it... And if... mind you, now, now that I think about it, I actually think he would be a perfect person to direct a, 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 a remake of The Frighteners. You know what? Yeah. Or... I actually think he'd be perfect for that. Yeah, uh, and now that I think about it, you know, because uh, that I brought up Tales of the Tales from the Crypt, it's like if they decided to do a new if uh, a new film series and Guillermo del Toro decides to produce it, it's like let that let this be one of them. It's like yeah. I would totally love to see like a Guillermo del Toro style like uh, Frighteners remake or From Dusk Till Dawn remake or anything so, like that. Even his like kind of like his earlier films, which mind you, I've never I've never really seen fully. I've I've seen clips from when he has visited UNLV. They kind of are like kind of the themes of this film, like with, with the horror and all of that. So I actually totally see him pulling off a Frighteners remake, given his, his, his history with horror films and, and knowing his fascination with monsters and things of that nature and, and all that. Given a really good cast, I think he would be perfect to pull up something like this off. That would, be the, that would be the question right there. Just who would play the main guy or even girl for that matter? I'd say if it was up to me, I would probably have to say... I'd probably have to say my pick would probably be Logan Lerman. You've seen The Perks of Being a Wallflower, oh, right? No, I, I definitely know who you're talking about. I, just, okay. I In order to pick someone for that, I would have to really think about it because... Not everyone has to be Tom Holland. 
I definitely think he he could possibly do it. There's I think others that potentially would be decent as well. But like I so said, I have to kind of like really think about it in order to actually put a list together. I could tell you one thing. It's like the gangster character, they're totally gonna have Craig Robinson play that. I mean hell, I could even see the kid from um Stranger Things. Finn Wolfhard? Possibly. Or if anything, if they wanted to go really uh, try to change the dynamics, they could have Millie Bobby Brown play. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, like, I honestly even I think Francine Ballister. But I mean, like I said, there's there there's like I said, there there are certain people uh, that I my could actually definitely see playing a character like this. Um, I actually don't even know if this guy would be even be too old for the character, and I know Mom's gonna love it when I say this, but she's a massive fan of this dude. You may or may not just you may or may not agree with it. Possibly Robert Pattinson. I could see Robert Pattinson Possibly? playing. No, 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 I agree with you. I could see Robert because, Pattinson I mean, play dude, this. I, I don't. I don't hate the guy's acting. I mean, he, he is a good actor. Yeah, yeah I've seen. Yeah, it's like putting aside Twilight. It's like I think the guy's a great actor. I it's actually, like I've seen him in other stuff besides. Okay. Like I I I I am acknowledging that putting yeah, aside Twilight, he has he's I've proven. Seen him, I've seen him in other roles, and I was impressed with his with his role in Tenet. Yeah. That's even why I'm even mentioning this is because I'm mm-hmm. like I could actually see him possibly playing the main character in in the Frighteners. Yeah, and um, it's it's why I'm excited to see him play Batman. It's because it's like even though I wasn't a fan of Tenet, it's like I've seen enough to where it's like you know it's like you know what. I've sold enough. If you play Batman, I'm good enough. You know. So and I if mean, he played Frank Bannister, it's like, cool. I mean, like I said, there, there, I'm sure there are other people that could probably play him, but I'm like, I'm just, because I'm thinking about his, like, his roles and Tenet. He's already got um, experience with, with sci-fi. And the supernatural. Yeah, exactly. So I'm like, he probably could uh, pull that role off. I'm not saying that Logan Lerman's not a good choice, but, like, I'm like, I've never, aside from... Um, Perks of being a wallflower, which, no offense, I didn't finish all the way, because I'm sorry that movie was kind of slow for me. Or, uh, outside of um, Percy Jackson, I haven't really seen him play a whole lot of other stuff, so I haven't really gotten a good range of, like, his acting skills, but with Robert Pattinson, I've seen him play Harry Potter, I've seen him play He played Harry Potter's rival, technically. (laughs) Well, still... (laughs) He's, he's been in the... He's definitely got experience with that whole genre. Uh, mm-hmm. Except I've seen him play in Tenet, and he was pretty freaking impressive with that. I mean, I've seen him play in other stuff, so yeah, I definitely could see him in the main role. Uh, the Lighthouse is a phenomenal performance for me. never seen The Lighthouse, but I... Well, okay. Rephrase that. I've seen clips. Mm-hmm. I've seen enough to say, yeah, he probably would... would would be decent with with how he portrayed going crazy. I'm now thinking of that farts right. He goes on in the movie just now screaming that at John Aston like, God damn your farts! Okay. <laughs> he he goes on a rant talking about Will Defoe farting in the lighthouse. Um, yeah, I definitely think I, I would. He's one of the ones I definitely would pick. Um, because I I have to put kind of a list together because now that I actually think about. It, he actually would be a much better choice than, than than Wolfheart. Not that I don't like Finn Wolfheart's acting, but like, I think Robert Pattinson would probably be a better choice for that. Yeah, and yeah. I feel like with Finn Wolfheart, he's he's still kind of growing into his roles. So uh, mm-hmm. he's still got 
he's got experience, but I think he he needs, needs he, he needs a little bit more time to develop an image. To kind of cap this off, I yes. want. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Debbie, to cut you off. <laughs> no, it's just I was about to say we're t- we this, the entire podcast is mostly this uh, been about us talking about like remaking special it. effects <laughs> and remaking the film. I don't know why we're so keyed on it being a remake. I don't know, but. It gives the, you know, directors and producers something to, you know, yeah. Well, I mean, it's just, that's kind of one thing I actually thought when watching this film is, I thought, if they actually were to remake this film, for some reason, when, my, when we were watching it, I was actually, one thing, thinking, wow, I'm actually, it's been so long since I've seen it the first time, it actually feels like I'm watching it all over again for the first time, years later, because of how long it's been. Mm-hmm. And I, I, then my other note was thinking, damn, this special effects are, are really freaking good for, for the time that this was actually made. And the third was, I wonder how this would actually do, this, this would, movie wouldn't be bad to be remade. Um, not that I hate this film or anything, I definitely love this film, but this... No. this I like those Michael J. Fox films. <laughs> <laughs> I do! Yeah. The only uh, film I think I've ever seen Michael J. Fox play that I wasn't crazy about, like I said, was Teen Wolf. Hmm. It was the only one. I didn't care for that movie a, a whole lot. But, like, other things that he's been in, I've loved. Um, but, like I said, with, with this film, I was just like, as much as I love Michael J. Fox, I would not be against this film being remade in, like, a TV show or even another film, for that matter. I, I feel like if even if uh, people were complaining about, oh, this shouldn't be remade, it's like... In hindsight, a lot of these remakes that have been coming out nowadays have... The only thing they've been doing is just, like, kind of amplifying how much we love the original so much, and then we end up forgetting the remakes. So it's like, if a remake does happen, then, hey, then that means the original gets more attention, and... I yeah. don't know why I keep thinking about British actors right now, but I think another person that would actually make possibly a really good lead... <laughs> yes, I'm going back to this. Possibly Daniel Radcliffe. I could totally see Daniel Radcliffe as that. Daniel Radcliffe Harry Potter. You know, oh, uh, yeah. As, he might actually yeah. Be a especially, especially after he's been doing films like Horns, Guns Akimbo, and Swiss Army Man, this would be perfect oh, for yeah. him. Yeah, but wouldn't this be more of a comedy? And would he build a handle of comedy? I think Daniel Radcliffe? So. I think yeah. He's yeah, he's... Active. Dude, Daniel Radcliffe's a hilarious motherfucker. <laughs> Dude, yeah, he has yes. really good delivery. Yes, he does. I mean, Sorry. hell, I seeing Guns Akimbo, seeing Guns Akimbo alone, he is so hilarious in that. I mean, it, it seems like he's more drama and. Oh no, he's more of a comedy guy. Is he? Wow. Yeah, yeah, he is hilarious. Well, besides that, I've actually seen a lot, some of his interviews, and he definitely actually is pretty actually sarcastic. <laughs> He actually has one of my favorite parts in the Amy Schumer film Trainwreck, where it's like she goes to a movie and it's a movie starring Daniel Radcliffe, where he's where he's a, a dog walker business. Huh. <laughs> that yeah, there was actually another movie that he that he was in where actually it was a really freaking weird movie, really weird movie, but he did play a bit of comedy and it actually shocked me with 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 the comment he was actually performing. Mm-hmm. But even still, he was doing comedy. He was pulling it off rather well. Okay, sorry, so, I misspoke. No, no, no. I wasn't. I was not. <laughs> I was not oh my God. Or, or like you know, scolding or anything like that. It was just um, 
mentioning that, yeah, I, I think he, he actually would be one of the, he would actually be perfect for, for a role like this. But mm-hmm. yeah, anyway, yeah, that, that's, that's my take. Yeah. Yeah, to like kind of circle things back uh, with the Frighteners, um, you know, even with this being my first time watching it in years, like I still ended up really getting a big, uh, big kick out of it. Uh, you know, even though I could tell some of the effects are dated, they still kept me invested in the story. I wasn't taken out of it. A lot of the cast just really works well with each other, especially uh, Michael J. Fox and uh, Trini Alvarado, who plays Lucy. I thought she was really good in that. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about the release because uh, apparently um, this movie was actually set for an October of 1996 release. I think it would have been a pretty safe bet considering, you know, the only big horror films at that time were like, you know, Thinner, uh, Bad Moon, which hadn't come out yet. Uh, there were also films that were coming out that were trying to get that awards craze, like That Thing You Do, Michael Collins, Swingers, oh, Romeo, oh, Juliet, The English Patient, and uh, Long Kiss Goodnight, although that's Brandy Harlan, so I don't know if that's much Oscar, but it's okay. Samuel Jackson, so I'll count it. Um, I think that thing you do might be another movie that we might want to add to the list because I think that may have been uh, one movie that I was actually told about from the, that, the sound uh, internship that I had. Uh, one of the guys that, that uh, uh, John McClane was working with at the time mentioned that movie and when I started looking up the movie it's like, oh my god, I've remembered this movie for years and I never knew what the hell the movie was called. And then when I actually saw clips, it's like, I really need to watch this movie again because I think this was a movie that, um, I think this, that thing that you do was one of the movies that, that Wendy actually had us watch one time ages ago and I completely forgot about it. It was, I think, 1996. Uh, and it was it was with like Tom Hanks and it was like a... Was he actually about, directed it. It was about... Uh, a guy trying to help out a band that like did like uh, Beatles style pop songs. That's a delightful comedy. It it, it actually isn't bad. I think uh, she was. Uh, I think um, Wendy was one of the ones who actually introduced us to that film. Hmm. I was also mentioning that as like one of the releases because uh, releases because uh, Frighteners was originally slated to come out October nineteen ninety six. You know capture that Halloween craze. You know, but the thing was Final Cut privileges. Universal was actually impressed with uh, the fr- the final cut of the Frighteners, which I imagine is that they actually moved up the release date, and I think that might be one of the reasons why we don't hear about it as much. Because uh, think about like you know it, it's the summer of 1996. What films are out at that time? Independence Day, Mission Impossible, Hunchback of Notre Dame. All, uh, all three movies, which are very, very famous now. However, to only two of those I've actually seen. I've never seen yeah. Mission Impossible. But a lot of them were like big box office juggernauts mm-hmm. that just like really swept the market mostly. Um, I, I could be missing a few others, but it's like those are the three that I can think of at the top of my head. On the bright side, uh, after the film was released, uh, it ended up actually giving uh, Peter Jackson the job at Universal to direct uh, King Kong. Pretty sweet deal, if you ask me. <laughs> yeah, even though it kind of sounds like we were kind of like nitpicking the Frighteners all over the place, it's like, I still recommend it. Um, oh yeah, it, definitely. Michael J. Fox is obviously delightful. Like, he alone could have been, uh, is worth watching this movie for. 
And everyone else, he works off of well the special effects and uh, and action scenes. I thought were done nicely. Uh, even though there, there's not much scares, even though it is a horror film, like the elements that they do carry well are carried pretty well. Mm-hmm. Overall, it's it's definitely developed well between the story. I mean, this this admittedly this is definitely a movie that keeps you on your toes. Because mind you, like obviously, mom was the only one who remembered how this movie actually ended. I completely forgot, and I was even shocked with with how this movie ended. Actually, I forgot until I was watching it, and it, like, I started remembering certain scenes. Certain scenes, I'm like, oh, okay, this is going to happen. This is what I was like, that's why I kept saying watch, because I was literally forgetting a lot, a good portion Mm -hmm. of the movie. Mm. I mean, I, I remember basically what it was about. I forgot a lot of the clips and scenes that, that were in there. I was like, oh, yeah, that's you know that's what happened. That's why this happened. And yeah, it was weird. I, I guess now that I think about it, the one thing that did kind of irk me was like, not to go into spoiler territory, but it's like, you know, how he ends up back in his body. It's like mm-hmm. that last time. I was like, it's a bit of a cop-out, but... Because, like, from the way it was framing, like, uh, how they kind of hint at Lucy kind of being able to see the dead as well. It's like, I thought the situation was going to be, like, now Frank's dead, but Lucy could see him. And then they end up being partners. Like, I thought that's where it was going to go. Hmm. I definitely knew that he wasn't going to completely die. Because I do remember that very last thing when she's chasing him around with the blanket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That I remembered. I yeah. That was one of the scenes I that's actually she said, boy, remember. you look pissed at me in the backseat. That's literally why I remember it. His mannerisms. Yeah, I didn't remember that. Like he he got freaked out when women yelled at him, and I didn't remember <laughs> that part. But I remember the thing on his chest. You yeah, know, I definitely and I was like, oh, I remember that. That's why I was like, wow. The ghosts that I remembered. I remember um, the, the the bed lifting up and him going in and, and checking the bed. Like, so there are certain things I definitely remembered, although I, I honestly, I thought it was a thing where he actually unmasked the demon, not, <laughs> like, tortured him to the point where it changed. Like, yeah. unmask him like it's a Scooby-Doo episode? <laughs> well, like, you see the freaking hooded figure, and you think that he's gonna, like... Let's see who the Grim Reaper like, really is! Like, literally! Like, a Scooby-Doo thing, okay? That's literally what I, I was like, but then I was like, okay, that's actually what happened. And I, like I said, I definitely remembered the scene where we found out who it was that played the villain because I distinctly remembered the face. Uh, but I, I didn't remember, like, the ending and stuff like that, like how it actually ended. That I forgot. So, like, there's definitely... This, this movie was definitely memorable for many, many reasons and many scenes. It's just there's definitely certain things about it that I completely forgot about, like the psycho bitch. 
I, I did not remember. Psycho bitch and her Lady Tremaine looking mama. Yeah, I, I did not remember a whole lot of that. It's like, okay, wow. I think I thought it was kind of funny how her first reaction to being uh, to having an accused item is. It's not like what is it talking about. It's like oh, you've been in my room. I must sanitate. It's just so yeah. Like I said, I you weren't wearing a mask. This this entire film, I definitely will say, keeps you on your toes when it comes to the plot and not expecting what comes next. Um, and it's definitely, I think, in my eyes, put together very very well. Even with the CGI and things like that, you definitely don't guess what's going to happen next. Especially near the end. But I mean, yeah, overall, this I definitely feel this movie definitely tested, uh, lasts the test of time. But I mean, mm-hmm. and I definitely feel that it's, it's one for, it's, in my eyes, it's a classic. It's, it's, it's one of those movies that's definitely a classic. Especially with, uh, with it being notable as uh, the last live action leading role Michael J. Fox played. Which is kind of sad, but. It is, but. At least he went out with a pretty memorable role. Uh-huh. Yeah. So. Still alive I mean, currently, even but. Still, yeah, still, I gotta. What, you apparently you're wanting to cuddle up with me right now? Oh, yeah, she's got a cat right now. Uh, but I mean, even still, <laughs> being famous for Back to the Future, I mean, there are worse things in the world. <laughs> you yeah. agree, Kitty? I mean, he's had some pretty decent roles. So, I mean. I definitely, he definitely killed every single one of them. Mm. And with this one, he also managed to kill some people. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I think with that, that's uh, where we'll wrap this up. Uh, so thank you, everybody, for joining us on this uh, special anniversary uh, episode of The Frighteners for uh, Thumbs Up or Down, you decide. Uh, and with that said, I'm Eric Trapel. I'm Leslie. And we'll see you all next time. Take Bye. care.